Chapter Twelve of the Legends of King Arthur and His Knights by James Knowles. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve: The Quest of the Sangreal and the Adventures of Sir Percival, Sir Bors, and Sir Galahad. Part One: The Bewitching of Merlin, the Knighting of Sir Galahad, and the Commencement of the Quest for the Sangreal after these things merlin fell into a dotage of love for a damsel of the lady of the lake and would let her have no rest but followed her in every place and ever she encouraged him and made him welcome till she had learned all his crafts that she desired to know then upon a time she went with him beyond the sea to the land of benwick and as they went he showed her many wonders till at length she was afraid and would fain have been delivered from him and as they were in the forest of broceliande they sat together under an oak tree and the damsel prayed to see all that charm whereby men might be shut up yet alive in rocks or trees but he refused her a long time fearing to let her know yet in the end her prayers and kisses overcame him and he told her all then did she make him great cheer but anon as he lay down to sleep she softly rose and walked about him waving her hands and muttering the charm and presently enclosed him fast within the tree whereby he slept and therefrom nevermore he could by any means come out for all the crafts that he could do and so she departed and left merlin at the vigil of the next feast of pentecost when all the knights of the round table were met together at camelot and had heard mass and were about to sit down to meet there rode into the hall a fair lady on horseback who went straight up to king arthur where he sat upon his throne and reverently saluted him god be with thee fair damsel quoth the king what desirest thou of me i pray thee tell me lord she answered where sir lancelot is yonder may ye see him said king arthur then went she to sir lancelot and said sir i salute thee in king pallas's name and require thee to come with me into the forest hereby then asked he her with whom she dwelt and what she wished of him i dwell with king pelles said she whom balin erst so sorely wounded when he smote the dolorous stroke it is he who hath sent me to call thee i will go with thee gladly said sir lancelot and bade his squire straightway saddle his horse and bring his armour then came the queen to him and said sir lancelot will ye leave me thus at this high feast madam replied the damsel by dinner-time to-morrow he shall be with you if i thought not said the queen he should not go with thee by my good will then sir lancelot and the lady rode forth till they came to the forest and in a valley thereof found an abbey of nuns whereby a squire stood ready to open the gates when they had entered and descended from their horses a joyful crowd pressed round sir lancelot and heartily saluted him and led him to the abbess's chamber and unarmed him anon he saw his cousins likewise there sir bors and sir lionel who also made great joy at seeing him and said by what adventure art thou here for we thought to have seen thee at camelot to-morrow 
a damsel brought me here said he but as yet i know not for what service as they thus talked twelve nuns came in who brought with them a youth so passing fair and well made that in all the world his match could not be found his name was galahad and though he knew him not nor lancelot him sir lancelot was his father sir said the nun we bring thee here this child whom we have nourished from his youth and pray thee to make him a knight for from no worthier hand can he receive that order then sir lancelot looking on the youth saw that he was seemly and demure as a dove with every feature good and noble and thought he never had beheld a better fashioned man of his years cometh this desire from himself said he yea answered galahad and all the nuns to-morrow then in reverence for the feast he shall have his wish said sir lancelot and the next day at the hour of prime he knighted him and said god make of thee as good a man as he hath made thee beautiful then with sir lionel and sir bors he returned to the court and found all gone to the minister to hear service when they came into the banquet hall each knight and baron found his name written in some seat in letters of gold as here ought to sit sir lionel here ought to sit sir gawain and so forth and in the perilous seat at the high centre of the table a name was also written whereat they marvelled greatly for no living man had ever yet dared sit upon that seat save one and him a flame leaped forth and drew down under earth so that he was no more seen then came sir lancelot and read the letters in that seat and said my counsel is that this inscription be now covered up until the knight be come who shall achieve this great adventure so they made a veil of silk and put it over the letters in the meanwhile came sir gawain to the court and told the king he had a message to him from beyond the sea from merlin for said he as i rode through the forest of broceliande but five days since i heard the voice of merlin speaking to me from the midst of an oak tree whereat in great amazement i besought him to come forth but he with many groans replied he never more might do so for that none could free him save the damsel of the lake who had enclosed him there by his own spells which he had taught her but go said he to king arthur and tell him that he now prepare his knights and all his table round to seek the sangreal for the time is come when it shall be achieved when sir gawain had spoken thus king arthur sat pensive in spirit and mused deeply of the holy grail and what saintly knight should come who might achieve it anon he bade them hasten to set on the banquet sir said sir kay the seneschal if ye go now to meet ye will break the ancient custom of your court for never have ye dined at this high feast till ye have seen some strange adventure thou sayest truly said the king but my mind was full of wonders and musings till i bethought me not of mine old custom as they stood speaking thus a squire ran in and cried lord i bring thee marvellous tidings what be they 
said King Arthur. Lord, said he, hereby at the river is a marvellous great stone, which I myself saw swim down hitherwards upon the water, and in it there is set a sword, and ever the stone heaveth and swayeth on the water, but floateth down no further with the stream. I will go and see it, said the king. So all the knights went with him, and when they came to the river, there surely found they a mighty stone of red marble floating on the water, as the squire had said, and therein stuck a fair and rich sword, on the pommel whereof were precious stones wrought skilfully with gold into these words. No man shall take me hence, but he by whose side I should hang, and he shall be the best knight in the world. When the king read this, he turned round to Sir Lancelot, and said, Fair sir, this sword ought surely to be thine, for thou art the best knight in all the world. But Lancelot answered soberly, Certainly, sir, it is not for me, nor will I have the hardihood to set my hand upon it. For he that toucheth it, and faileth to achieve it, shall one day be wounded by it mortally. But I doubt not, Lord, this day will show the greatest marvels that we have yet seen, for now the time is fully come, as Merlin hath forewarned us, when all the prophecies about the Sangreel shall be fulfilled. Then stepped Sir Gawain forward, and pulled at the sword, but could not move it, and after him Sir Percival, to keep him fellowship in any peril he might suffer. But no other knight durst be so hardy as to try. "'Now may ye go to your dinner,' said Sir Kay, "'for a marvellous adventure ye have had.' So all returned from the river, and every knight sat down in his own place, and the high feast and banquet then was sumptuously begun, and all the hall was full of laughter and loud talk and jests and running to and fro of squires who served their knights, and noise of jollity and mirth. Then suddenly befell a wondrous thing, for all the doors and windows of the hall shut violently of themselves and made thick darkness, and presently there came a fair and gentle light from out the perilous seat and filled the palace with its beams. Then a dead silence fell on all the knights, and each man anxiously beheld his neighbor. But King Arthur rose and said, Lords and fair knights, have ye no fear but rejoice? We have seen strange things to-day, but stranger yet remain. For now I know we shall to-day see him who may sit in the siege perilous and shall achieve the Sangreel. For as ye all well know, that holy vessel wherefrom at the supper of our Lord before his death he drank the wine with his disciples, hath been held ever since the holiest treasure of the world, and wheresoever it hath rested, peace and prosperity have rested with it on the land. But since the dolorous stroke which Balin gave King Pelles, none have seen it, for heaven wroth with that presumptuous blow, hath hid it none nowhere. Yet somewhere in the world it still may be, and may be it is left to us, and to this noble order of the table round, to find and bring it home, and make of this our realm the happiest in the earth. Many great quests and perilous adventures have ye all taken and achieved, but this high quest 
he only shall attain who hath clean hands and a pure heart and valour and hardihood beyond all other men while the king spoke there came in softly an old man robed all in white leading with him a young knight clad in red from top to toe but without armour or shield and having by his side an empty scabbard the old man went up to the king and said lord here i bring thee this young knight of royal lineage and of the blood of joseph of arimathea by whom the marvels of thy court shall fully be accomplished the king was right glad at his words and said sir ye be right heartily welcome and the young knight also then the old man put on sir galahad for it was he a crimson robe trimmed with fine ermine and took him by the hand and led him to the perilous seat and lifting up the silken cloth which hung upon it read these words written in gold letters this is the seat of sir galahad the good knight sir said the old man this place is thine then sat sir galahad down firmly and surely and said to the old man sir ye may now go your way for ye have done well and truly all ye were commanded and commend me to my grandsire king pelles and say that i shall see him soon so the old man departed with a retinue of twenty noble squires but all the knights of the round table marvelled at sir galahad and at his tender age and at his sitting there so surely in the perilous seat then the king led sir galahad forth from the palace to show him the adventure of the floating stone here said he is as great a marvel as i ever saw and right good knights have tried and failed to gain that sword i marvel not thereat said galahad for this adventure is not theirs but mine and for the certainty i had thereof i brought no sword with me as thou mayest see here by this empty scabbard anon he laid his hand upon the sword and lightly drew it from the stone and put it in his sheath and said this sword was that enchanted one which erst belonged to the good knight sir balin wherewith he slew through piteous mistake his brother balan who also slew him at the same time all which great woe befell him through the dolorous stroke he gave my grandsire king pelles the wound whereof is not yet whole nor shall be till i heal him as he stood speaking thus they saw a lady riding swiftly down the river's bank towards them on a white palfrey who saluting the king and queen said lord king nacian the hermit sendeth thee word that to thee shall come to-day the greatest honour and worship that hath yet ever befallen a king of britain for this day shall the sangreal appear in thy house with that the damsel took her leave and departed the same way she came now said the king i know that from to-day the quest of the sangreal shall begin and all ye of the round table will be scattered so that never more shall i see ye again together as ye are now let me then see a joust and tournament amongst ye for the last time before ye go so they all took their harness and met together in the meadows by camelot and the queen and all her ladies sat in a tower to see then sir galahad at the prayer of the king and queen 
put on a coat of light armor and a helmet, but shield he would take none, and grasping a lance he drove into the middle of the press of knights and began to break spears marvellously, so that all men were full of wonder. And in so short a time he had surmounted and exceeded the rest save Sir Lancelot and Sir Percival, that he took the chief worship of the field. Then the king and all the court and fellowship of knights went back to the palace and so to evensong in the great minister a royal and goodly company, and after that sat down to supper in the hall every night in his own seat as they had been before. Anon suddenly burst overhead the crackling and crying of great peals of thunder till the palace walls were shaken sorely and they thought to see them riven all to pieces and in the midst of the blast there entered in a sunbeam clearer by seven times than ever they saw day, and a marvellous great glory fell upon them all. Then each knight, looking on his neighbour, found his face fairer than he had ever seen, and so, all standing on their feet, they gazed as dumb men on each other, not knowing what to say then entered into the hall the sangreel borne aloft without hands through the midst of the sunbeam and covered with white samite so that none might see it and all the hall was filled with perfume and incense and every knight was fed with the food he best loved and when the holy vessel had been thus borne through the hall it suddenly departed no man saw whither when they recovered breath to speak king arthur first rose up and yielded thanks to god and to our lord then sir gawain sprang up and said now have we all been fed by miracle with whatsoever food we thought of or desired but with our eyes we have not seen the blessed vessel whence it came so carefully and preciously it was concealed therefore i make a vow that from to-morrow I shall labour twelve months and a day in quest of the Sangreel, and longer if need be, nor will I come again into this court until mine eyes have seen it evidently. When he had spoken thus, night after night rose up and vowed himself to the same quest, till the most part of the round table had thus sworn. But when King Arthur heard them all, he could not refrain his eyes from tears, and said, sir gawain sir gawain thou hast set me in great sorrow for i fear me my true fellowship shall never meet together here again and surely never christian king had such a company of worthy knights around his table at one time and when the queen and her ladies and gentlewomen heard the vows they had such grief and sorrow as no tongue could tell and queen guinevere cried out i marvel that my lord will suffer them to depart from him and many of the ladies who loved knights would have gone with them but were forbidden by the hermit nacian who sent this message to all who had sworn themselves to the quest take with ye no lady or gentlewoman for into so high a service as ye go in no thought but of our lord and heaven may enter on the morrow morning all the knights rose early, and when they were fully armed, save shields and helms, they went in with the king and queen to service in the minister. 
Then the king counted all who had taken the adventure on themselves, and found them a hundred and fifty knights of the round table. And so they all put on their helms, and rode away together in the midst of cries and lamentations from the court, and from the ladies, and from all the town. But the queen went alone to her chamber, that no man might see her sorrow, and Sir Lancelot followed her to say farewell. When she saw him, she cried out, O oh, Sir Lancelot, thou hast betrayed me, thou hast put me to death thus to depart and leave my lord the king. Ah, madam, said he, be not displeased or angry, for I shall come again as soon as I can with honour. Alas, said she, that ever I saw thee, but he that suffered death upon the cross for all mankind be to thee safety and good conduct, and to all thy company. Then Sir Lancelot saluted her and the king, and went forth with the rest, and came with them that night to Castle Vagon, where they abode, and on the morrow they departed from each other on their separate ways, every night taking the way that pleased him best. Now Sir Galahad went forth without a shield, and rode so four days without adventure. And on the fourth day, after evensong, he came to an abbey of white monks, where he was received in the house and led into a chamber, and there he was unarmed and met two knights of the round table, King Bagdemagus and Sir Ewain. Sirs, said Sir Galahad, what adventure hath brought ye here? Within this place, as we are told, they answered, there is a shield no man may bear around his neck without receiving sore mischance or death within three days. Tomorrow, said King Bagdemagus, I shall attempt the adventure, and if I fail, do thou, Sir Galahad, take it up after me. I will willingly, said he, for as you see, I have no shield as yet. So on the morrow they arose and heard mass, and afterwards King Bagdemagus asked where the shield was kept. Then a monk led him behind the altar where the shield hung, as white as any snow, and with a blood-red cross in the midst of it. Sir, said the monk, this shield should hang from no knight's neck unless he be the worthiest in the world. I warn ye, therefore, knights, consider well before ye dare to touch it. Well, said King Bagdemagus, I know well that I am far from the best knight in all the world, yet shall I make the trial. And so he took the shield, and bore it from the monastery. If it please thee, said he to Sir Galahad, abide here till thou hearest how I speed. I will abide thee, said he. Then taking with him a squire who might return with any tidings to Sir Galahad, the king rode forth, and before he had gone two miles he saw in a fair valley a hermitage, and a knight who came forth dressed in white armour, horse and all, who rode fast against him. When they encountered, Bagdemagus brake his spear upon the white knight's shield, but was himself struck through the shoulder with a sore wound and hurled down from his horse. Then the white knight, alighting, came and took the white shield from the king, and said, Thou hast done great folly, for this shield ought never to be borne but by one who hath no living peer. And turning to the squire, he said, 
bear thou this shield to the good knight sir galahad and greet him well from me in whose name shall i greet him said the squire take thou no heed of that he answered it is not for thee or any earthly man to know now tell me fair sir at the least said the squire why may this shield be never borne except its wearer come to injury or death because it shall belong to no man save its rightful owner galahad replied the knight then the squire went to his master and found him wounded nigh to death wherefore he fetched his horse and bore him back with him to the abbey and there they laid him in a bed and looked to his wounds and when he had lain many days grievously sick he at the last barely escaped with his life sir galahad said the squire the knight who overthrew king bagdemagus sent you greeting and bade you bear this shield now blessed be god and fortune said sir galahad and hung the shield about his neck and armed him and rode forth anon he met the white knight by the hermitage and each saluted courteously the other sir said sir galahad this shield i bear hath surely a full marvellous history thou sayest rightly answered he that shield was made in the days of joseph of arimathea the gentle knight who took our lord down from the cross he when he left jerusalem with his kindred came to the country of king evelake who warred continually with one ptolemy and when by the teaching of joseph king evelake became christian this shield was made for him in our lord's name and through its aid king ptolemy was defeated for when king evelake met him next in battle he hid it in a veil and suddenly uncovering it he showed his enemies the figure of a bleeding man nailed to a cross at sight of which they were discomfited and fled presently after that a man whose hand was smitten off touched the cross upon the shield and had his hand restored to him and many other miracles it worked but suddenly the cross that was upon it vanished away anon both joseph and king evelake came to britain and by the preaching of joseph the people were made christians and when at length he lay upon his death-bed king evelake begged of him some token ere he died then calling for his shield he dipped his finger in his own blood for he was bleeding fast and none could staunch the wound and marked that cross upon it saying this cross shall ever show as bright as now and the last of my lineage shall wear this shield about his neck and go forth to all the marvellous deeds he will achieve when the white knight had thus spoken he vanished suddenly away and sir galahad returned to the abbey as he alighted came a monk and prayed him to go see a tomb in the churchyard wherefrom came such a great and hideous noise that none could hear it but they went nigh mad or lost all strength and sir said he i deem it is a fiend lead me thither said sir galahad when they were come near the palace now said the monk go thou to the tomb and lift it up and galahad nothing afraid quickly lifted up the stone and forthwith came out a foul smoke and from the midst thereof leaped up the loathliest figure that ever he had seen in the likeness of a man and galahad blessed himself for he knew it was a fiend of hell 
Then he heard a voice crying out, O oh, Galahad, I cannot tear thee as I would. I see so many angels round thee that I may not come at thee. Then the fiend suddenly disappeared with a marvellous great cry, and Sir Galahad, looking in the tomb, saw there a body, all armed, with a sword beside it. "'Now, fair brother,' said he to the monk, "'let us remove this cursed body which is not fit to lie in a churchyard, for when it lived a false and perjured Christian man dwelt in it. Cast it away, and there shall come no more hideous noises from the tomb.' and now must i depart he added for i have much in hand and am upon the holy quest of the sangreal with many more good knights so he took his leave and rode many journeys backwards and forwards as adventures would lead him and at last one day he departed from a castle without first hearing mass which was it ever his custom to hear before he left his lodging anon he found a ruined chapel on a mountain and went in and kneeled before the altar and prayed for wholesome counsel what to do and as he prayed he heard a voice which said depart adventurous knight unto the maiden's castle and redress the violence and wrongs there done hearing these words he cheerfully arose and mounted his horse and rode but half a mile when he saw before him a strong castle with deep ditches round it, and a fair river running past. And seeing an old churl hard by, he asked him what men called that castle. Fair sir, said he, it is the maiden's castle. It is a cursed place, said Galahad, and all its masters are but felons full of mischief and hardness and shame. For that good reason, said the old man, thou wert well advised to turn thee back. For that same reason, quoth Sir Galahad, will I the more certainly ride on. Then looking at his armor carefully, to see that nothing failed him, he went forward, and presently there met him seven damsels, who cried out, Sir Knight, thou ridest in great peril, for thou hast two waters to pass over. Why should I not pass over them? said he, and rode straight on. Anon he met a squire, who said, Sir knight, the masters of this castle defy thee, and bid thee go no further till thou showest them thy business here. Fair fellow, said Sir Galahad, I am come here to destroy their wicked customs. If that be thy purpose, answered he, thou wilt have much to do. Go thou, said Sir Galahad, and hasten with my message. In a few minutes after rode forth furiously from the gateways of the castle seven knights, all brothers, and crying out, Knight, keep thee, bore down all at once upon Sir Galahad, but thrusting forth his spear he smote the foremost to the earth so that his neck was almost broken, and warded with his shield the spears of all the others, which every one brake off from it and shivered into pieces. Then he drew out his sword, and set upon them hard and fiercely, and by his wondrous force drave them before him, and chased them to the castle gate, and there he slew them. At that came out to him an ancient man in priest's vestments, saying, Behold, sir, here are the keys of this castle. Then he unlocked the gates, and found within a multitude of people, who cried out, Sir knight, ye be welcome for long have we waited thy deliverance 
and told him that the seven felons he had slain had long enslaved the people round about and killed all knights who passed that way because the maiden whom they had robbed of the castle had foretold that by one night they should themselves be overthrown where is the maiden asked sir galahad she lingereth below in a dungeon said they so sir galahad went down and released her and restored her her inheritance and when he had summoned the barons of the country to do her homage he took his leave and departed presently thereafter as he rode he entered a great forest and in a glade thereof met two knights disguised who proffered him to joust these were sir lancelot his father and sir percival but neither knew the other so he and sir lancelot encountered first and sir galahad smote down his father then drawing his sword for his spear was broken he fought with sir percival and struck him so mightily that he clave sir percival's helm and smote him from his horse now hard by where they fought there was a hermitage where dwelt a pious woman a recluse who when she heard the sound came forth and seeing sir galahad ride she cried god be with thee the best knight in the world had yonder knights known thee as well as i do they would not have encountered with thee when sir galahad heard that fearing to be made known he forthwith smote his horse with his spurs and departed at a great pace sir lancelot and sir percival heard her words also and rode fast after him but within a while he was out of their sight End of part one. Recording by Thomas Rose.